to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. While you're turning, let me tell you, I'm so excited about that building. Uh, the size of the building is going to allow us to do a lot of things. One thing I'd like to do is have several concerts there. And how many of you like Southern gospel, country Christian stuff? Well, that was kind of how, let me try that again. What, like the Gaithers? Huh? Gold City, the Gaithers. Well, we're going to bring concerts like that. How many of you like progressive Christian? <laughs> and they're louder. We're going to bring some of those. The building is going to be a center for the activity of the Holy Spirit in that region. I believe that. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And I want to share with you today on something that God really put on my heart that I know matters to every one of us. I'm going to call it turning stumbling stones to stepping stones. From stumbling stone to stepping stone. Let's just dive in. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12. Here is Paul. He, he's telling us a little bit about what was going on in his life. He's very honest very transparent. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations that God had given to me. That's what he's saying. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, let's read this, it's so good, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that a great verse? All right, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, and we're going to close. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. Read that last part with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you have found that out to be true? When I am weak, then I am strong. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts, and I pray that you will deliver us from offense, deliver us from stumbling blocks, onto stepping stones to a greater place in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this today. <laughs> now, these, these passages begin with a problem. Paul had a problem. He had a thorn in the flesh. Now, I don't want you to worry about what it was. I've heard theologians go on forever about what the thorn was. I don't care what it was. Never mind what it was. What matters is that it was. He had a thorn in the flesh. And we know this much. It had become a source of irritation, distraction, and perplexity to him. It was beginning to drive him nuts. He went to the Lord three times. It was beginning to bring him beside himself. He was irritated big time with this. And 
you read into it, and I think accurately, that this thorn, whatever it was, was on the verge of becoming a stumbling stone. A stumbling stone. Now, everybody in this room is going to be dealing with a stumbling stone. We all have and we all will. I want to inform you of that today. We're all going to be dealing with stumbling stones. So let me tell you exactly what I mean by a stumbling stone. A stumbling stone is an offense. It is something that offends you and it offends your faith and it offends your walk. It has the possibility, it has the potential of knocking you out of the saddle, knocking you out of the race, derailing you from your pursuit in God and your pursuit of God and making you trip and fall in the path. A stumbling stone. A stumbling stone is something that trips you. And when it trips you, if you don't respond to it rightly and biblically, it has the potential of taking you out of the race, which is exactly what the enemy of your soul wants. He wants to affect and water down and dilute and weaken your faith. And I got to tell you, I've been in the ministry a very, very long time, longer than I can believe. I started pastoring almost 25 years ago, and I've seen a lot of things in the church come and go. And I want to tell you, I believe one of the enemy's greatest tactics, there's no doubt about it, against believers is this whole issue of offenses and stumbling stones. And we need to learn how to deal with them wisely so that his tactics against us are not effective. Now, I've noticed through the years that there are several things that sort of serve as stumbling stones more often than not. And let me just share a couple of them with you. I think this one's a major one that causes people's faith to stumble, that becomes a stumbling stone in your path and affects you and takes you out. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you today that there are all kinds of people out of church right now they're out of church because somewhere along the way an offense happened and it became a stumbling stone and that stumbling stone took them out and that's what the enemy wants he wants you out of the word he wants you out of prayer he wants you out of fellowship he wants you out of worship he wants to he wants to use a stumbling stone or an offense to 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 affect your faith and stop you from becoming what God wants you to be Now, the first thing I've seen the enemy use, this is probably more than than anything else, is failed expectations that bring disillusionment. Failed expectations that bring disillusionment. Now, uh, you find a great example of this in the two disciples who we find in the Bible on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus is a a little bitty town outside of Jerusalem. And following the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, These two disciples of Jesus had all they could take. They did not understand what had happened. You talk about failed expectations. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And we've got to understand that that they believed he was the Messiah who was going to come and deliver them from Roman tyranny. They believed that he was coming as the conquering lion of Judah. They believed he was going to be manifested in a particular way. They believed that he was going to arrive and because of the miracles and the power of God that was with him, and they were right, 
They were right. They were just wrong on the timing. Because the Old Testament predicts two manifestations of Messiah. One of the manifestations is that Jesus would come as the the Lamb of God, the sacrificed Lamb. And that he would die for our sins on a cross. Isaiah predicted it and said, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is beaten beyond recognition. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the Lamb of God. That's the slain Lamb. And that was predicted. But then there was another prediction that he would come as a conquering Messiah with the scepter of righteousness in his hand. And of the increase of his government, there would be no end. And there was a two-pronged prediction of Messiah. And when Jesus showed up on the scene and began to heal the sick and raise the dead and speak like no man ever spoke, it says that they began to connect the dots and they thought, this is him. This is the one that's going to deliver us from this Roman oppression. He's going to take over the government and rule in peace. And the lion shall lay down with the lamb. This is the one. They're going to beat their swords into plowshares and we shall no war no longer. But they were wrong about the timing. And so they had failed expectations. So when they took their Messiah who had walked on the water and raised the dead and they beat him beyond recognition and hung him on that cross, their wires got crossed. They short-circuited in their faith. They could not make sense out of it. And they said, I don't understand. And they they finally said, I'm getting out of Jerusalem. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go to Emmaus and I'm going to lick my wounds. And so they're walking down this little dirt road on the road to Emmaus and they've got dashed hopes. They've got failed expectations. And you know the feeling. It's when you believe that God's going to do one thing and that is not what he does. You believe he's going to do it in a particular timing and that is not the timing in which he does it. You thought he was going to show up over here and he shows up over there. You thought he was going to be manifested one way and he was manifested another. And you get all confused and dazed and you don't know what to make of it and your, your expectations become failed. It's like Muhammad Ali comes up and punches you in the gut and your faith exhales all that it had in it because even your faith was built up you thought you had a word from God you just knew you were walking in the perfect will of God and you knew something was going to happen the way you thought and none of that takes place and you're sitting there now going what is going on where is God talk about failed expectations And Jesus, in his resurrected body, approached these two and said to them, he played dumb, and he said to them, what's the matter with you guys? Why the long faces? And here's what they said. They said, we were hoping. Are you the only one in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know what has just taken place? And they began to testify to Jesus about Jesus. And then they said, here's the operative phrase. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping. There's the operative word. We were hoping. We, 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 were, we were right about the Messiah, but we were wrong about the timing. We had the right Messiah, but we had the wrong manifestation. And they did not understand it. And folks, sometimes you can have the right Messiah and have the wrong manifestation. He's going to do what he's going to do when he's going to do it. And sometimes it's not what we thought. Am I talking to anybody who has experienced this? And thank God that Jesus began walking with them. And when they got to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going to go on. 
But they said, oh, please come in here with us. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Thank God they took him into Emmaus with them. Listen, when, if you're in Emmaus, you're in Emmaus. Now, I'm going to say that again. If you're in Emmaus today, and some of you are, as a matter of fact, I know I'm talking to some of you by radio, and you are disillusioned. What God, uh, what you thought God was going to do, God has not done. It hasn't worked out that way. The timing has been wrong, or the manifestation has been wrong. And I'm here to tell you today, the Messiah is still on the throne. He's still in charge. And just because you missed the timing doesn't mean you missed Him. You've got to hang on and trust Him to work it all all out. He's going to come through for you. Amen. But the most important thing they did was they invited the Messiah into their Emmaus. Because if you're in Emmaus and you don't invite him in, you really are in Emmaus. Because you'll stay there and you'll die there and the Holy Ghost is moving in Jerusalem. Pentecost is falling in Jerusalem. It's okay to go to Emmaus for a season, but don't pitch tent there. Don't build a house there. Don't stay there. you got to come out because God's got a call on your life. He's got a call on your spirit. And in Emmaus is not where the action is. Let Jesus into your pain. Let Jesus into your perplexity. They were sitting there eating with him in that town of Emmaus and when he broke bread their eyes were open and they realized he had been raised from the dead and they got healed of their disillusionment they left Emmaus walked down the road got back into Jerusalem just in time for the Holy Ghost to fall on the day of Pentecost and thank God they did not miss their blessing by staying in Emmaus but they came out because they realized he's got everything under control I may not understand everything but I do know He's got it under control. So failed expectations is just a major reason that people experience a stumbling block. And i got to tell you, folks, if you've been disillusioned and disappointed and expectations have failed, give it to the Lord and trust Him and get back in the race. We're about to see some things in God that have me excited. i got to tell you, I don't want to be in Emmaus if the Holy Ghost is moving somewhere else. I want to be in the center of the will of God. I want to see people getting saved saved, healed, delivered. I want to be in the middle of what the Lord is doing in these last days. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to be watching from the bleachers. I want to be carrying the ball. I want to be on the field. I want to be in play. I want my life to count for God. Is anybody in here feel the same way? Amen. There's another thing that can cause a stumbling block. And that's the actions of others. The actions of others is another cause of stumbling blocks. Listen to Romans 14, 13. Let us resolve, says Paul, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Now this can refer to a Christian involving himself in sin and not living up to his profession of faith. And you see that and it makes you stumble. It can be talking about that. Or it can point to a Christian hurting another believer. Happens in churches all the time. How many of you have realized, if you've been in church over a week, that nobody in church is perfect? That actually church is filled with imperfect people who from time to time are hypocritical, and we got room for one more. How many of you have realized that about church? 
We don't claim to be perfect. We do claim to be redeemed. We don't claim to be perfect. We do claim to love the Lord to the best of our ability. And we believe we're in the middle of the call of God. But you see, we can cause other people to stumble. And people's actions towards us can make us stumble. Uh, Gossip, slander, prejudice, harshness, judgmentalism. It happens in the church all the time. And because of that, we stumble in our faith. We say, well, that shouldn't be there in church. Oh, you're going to find it in church all the time. You're going to find people doing the wrong thing in church all the time. You're going to discover that people that are in church don't believe exactly like you do all the time. You're going to find people on different levels of spiritual growth. And you know what you got to do? Chew the meat and spit out the bones. Come on, everybody. You've got to learn to do that. Well, they're not walking with God like me. Well, you didn't used to either. Well, they're not mature like me. If that's your attitude, I wonder about your maturity. We got to love one another right where we are. You don't clean a fish before you catch it. You catch the fish, then you clean it. Let's let Jesus catch them and let Jesus clean them. And while Jesus is cleaning them, we got to love one another. Amen? now listen to what Jesus said about stumbling blocks Jesus said it is impossible it is impossible that no stumbling blocks should come he said it's inevitable it is a predictable unfortunately a predictable fact of life that we're all going to run up against stumbling blocks things that make our faith stumble things that we don't understand things that kind of jar us and shake us that's going to come But the question is not, why has this happened to me? The question is, how am I going to respond? Now, I'm going to say that again because asking why never solves a thing. Because if God was to come down and tell you why, it still wouldn't heal you. If God was to come and tell you why it had happened, it still won't heal you. The question is, how are we going to respond to what has happened to us? We've all been offended. We've all been hurt. We've all been wronged. We've all made mistakes. We've all had failures, all of us. The question is, how are you going to respond to what has happened to you? That is the crucial question. Is this offense going to be a stumbling block that becomes my tombstone, or is this offense going to become a stepping stone that leads me to a higher place. Are you going to allow God to turn this stumbling stone into a stepping stone to a whole new level of spiritual growth, or are you going to let it take you down and take you out? I'm going to tell you something, folks. No choice with me. I know that it's going to become a stepping stone, and your life is too valuable for you to allow an offense or a stumbling stone to take you out. I'm telling you, sometimes you got to get mad in this spiritual walk that we're in, this journey we have undertaken, and you've got to say, you know what, devil? It's you or me, and it's not going to be me. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to go on. You know, Kathy and I, when we were living in East Texas, we had four acres of land. And on that land, there was this beautiful creek. 
And this creek, uh, oh, it was just a normal creek most of the year, but in the springtime when the rains would come, this thing became a raging river. And I mean, it was really like a roar it would go by. And being a boy on the inside, always, I always wanted to go down there and look for critters, look for turtles, look for snakes and fish and all that kind of boy stuff. And I, and I realized when you went down there at this time of year, it was way too wide to jump across. So what I had to look for, I had to look for stepping stones. I had to look for stones that were boulders when the creek was low, great big rocks, but when it was way up, there was still enough of that stone sticking out that I could find a footing on it, jump on it, and walk on across that raging brook. And it's the same thing with a stumbling stone. I want to give you today four stepping stones that will help you across the raging river of offense and get you to the other side. The first one is choice. Can you say with me? Choice. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, your mama can't make it for you. Now, I want you to hear me on this one. Choice. What a powerful thing God has given us when it comes to choice. In 2 Kings, there's a great example of this. In 2 Kings, we're told the story that, that there were four lepers, four men with leprosy, sitting outside the gate of Samaria. They're sitting outside the gate of Samaria, all four of them, all in a row with leprosy. Behind them, the city is dying from starvation. You can hear the wailing and the crying of desperation, desperate mothers, desperate parents, desperate children, because they don't have any food, because they're being starved out by the Syrian army. Behind these lepers is a starving city. In front of them lay the Syrian army that was starving these people out. And with them is leprosy. Not a great day at the office. <laughs> Starving city behind. Starving army, vicious army, hateful army in front of you. And leprosy upon you. But the Bible says that these four lepers asked a great question. And I want to toss this question out to you today. They said to one another, why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? In other words, behind us the city is starving. In front of us there's an army. Upon us is leprosy. But if we don't do something, we're just going to sit here and die. You know, folks, sometimes any decision is better than no decision. And they said, we got to do something. If we go into the city behind us, we'll starve. If we go towards the army, they're going to take us. But maybe, just maybe, God will give us mercy with the army. So it says they stood up and they began to walk towards that vicious Syrian army. And as they walked, God honored their faith. And the Bible says God honored choice. They had made a choice. I'm not going to sit here and die. Why sit here until I die in this financial problem? Why sit here until I die in this marital problem? Why sit here until I die in this situation that is killing me? It's time to do something. And they began to walk. And God caused that Syrian army to have a hallucination. They thought they heard thousands of horses' hooves. They thought an incredible army was coming their way. I think God just told the angels to start flapping their wings. And they began to hear something that was not there. <laughs> 
And so they said, we better get out of here. That's a mighty army that's coming towards us. We don't know how they've rallied these troops, but they have. And the Bible says they fled on foot as fast as their feet could carry them. They left their horses, left their food, left their riches, left all their jewels, left everything sitting there. And here comes these four lepers. And they come walking up to the camp. And they're looking around, and it's eerily quiet. They're thinking, where in the world did the Syrian army go? And they didn't realize that as soon as they made a decision of faith, God honored moving targets. And God began to move them. And as they, as they approached the army, God defeated the army for them took care of their enemy for them. Folks, there is power in choice, and you've got a choice. Can I tell you, you don't have to sit there until you die. There is a God in heaven who knows your situation, and God is saying, take a step. Take a step of faith. And I will destroy the enemy for you. They rejoiced. And the Bible says that it was such an incredible victory that the entire city of Samaria the next day was delivered. They had more food than they could eat. A great big rejoicing and praise went up to God because four unlikely leprous men made a choice. The first stepping stone is you've got to choose to come out. Amen. Say with me, choice. Now, the second thing is lean. Can you say lean? You've got you've to learn to lean. Now, back to Paul and the thorn in the flesh. Listen to what Paul says. He says, three different times, I pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away from me. Now, you know that the New Testament is written in the Greek language, and that word plead was taken from a Greek word that means this. This word plead was taken from a word that means to call somebody alongside or to invite somebody into. What Paul was doing is he was saying, Lord, I can't handle this alone. I can't deal with this thorn alone. This is too painful. It's too hard. It's too difficult. This thing is bigger than me. I need you. I invite you, Lord, into my pain. Did you know that you can be a believer and go through something painful and not let God in? Thank God those disciples on the road to Emmaus invited Jesus into their pain, into their disillusionment, into Emmaus with them, and because they brought him in, they came out. If they hadn't brought him in, they wouldn't have come out. But Jesus got them out because they brought him in. Oh, what needless pain we suffer. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. The Bible says, call upon the Lord and he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. You know, folks, sometimes the Lord is just waiting for us to say, Lord, I need to lean on you. I can't do this on my own. I'm not strong enough. I'm not big enough. This is bigger than me. If I'm coming out, it's going to be by grace. If I'm coming out, it's not going to be by might and not by the power of the flesh, but it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you the truth today. I wouldn't be standing in front of you today if not for the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I came out not by might, 
Not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. I wouldn't be preaching if not for the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't be standing here if not for the Holy Ghost. And I got news for you. You wouldn't be in church if not for the power of the Holy Ghost. You'd have been taken out a long time ago. But there is a power working in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is a power that is greater than anything Satan has been able to throw against you. And it's resurrection power. But you've got to invite him in. A Christian couple was trapped on a roof during a terrible flood. As the water continued to rise, a boat came towards them. The men in the boat said, you need some help? The man in the boat asked, and, and they said, no, Jesus will save us, came the reply. A couple of hours later, another boat came to their aid. By this time, the water was halfway up the roof line. You folks need some help? No, we've asked the Lord for a supernatural deliverance. They replied again. A couple of hours later, the water was now lapping over the peak of the roof when a helicopter came and a man was hoisted down to them. He said to them, you folks need some help? No, we're on the verge of a miracle, praise God. He said, okay, see you later. A few more hours passed, the water rose and the couple died. At the pearly gates, they approached Jesus and said, What happened, Lord? We prayed. We believed. We served you our entire lives, and you let us die. Why would you let us down? And he said, Why are you mad at me? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. (laughs) And you know, that's funny. But they were asking God for help, and when he sent help, they didn't let him into their pain. So you got to let Jesus in. You got to let him into those rooms that nobody goes into, not even you. You've got to let him into those places where you're really suffering and invite him into your Emmaus experiences so he can take care of the disillusionment and get you back in the game. I think I'm talking to somebody here today. Say, Pastor, I prayed and it didn't happen. Keep on going. Pastor, I believe God and I'm still waiting. You keep on going. Don't let it take you out of the race. God is in charge. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's got his hand on the dial. He's not going to let it get hotter than you can take. And if you feel like you can't take it, then learn to lean. Lean. There's a song that we're going to sing at the end that I used to sing all the time. It goes like this. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever dreamed, learning to lean on Jesus, learning to lean. To turn a stumbling stone to a stepping stone, you got to learn to lean. Lean on his word, lean on his strength, lean on his promises, lean on his presence. And he will turn your mourning into dancing and your ashes into beauty. But you got to learn to lean. Every day, Lord, I'm leaning. Every day I'm walking across this brook, Lord, the stepping stones, and you're the second one. I'm leaning. As I learn to lean, I'm on my way across. Do you believe that's true? Give the Lord a hand. Amen. The third stepping stone is truth. After calling on the Lord for help, Here's what Paul said. Paul made contact with heaven. And here's what he wrote. He said, and Jesus said to me, Jesus said to me. Folks, that is so key to getting across. Whatever you're going through, God has a word for you. Whatever you're experiencing, God 
has a word for you. He's got something to say about it. You know, I've realized, as a matter of fact, I was preaching this in the first service and I never even thought about it until I preached it. Peter wasn't walking on water. When Jesus said, get out of the boat, Peter, we always say Peter was walking on water until he started doubting God and then he sank. He wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word. He was walking on the word of Jesus. He wasn't walking on water. He said, Lord, do you want me to come out to you? And he said, come. And on that word, Peter stepped out. That water couldn't hold him. That water couldn't hold you. But I'll tell you what can hold you, a word from God. It was the word he was walking on. He was walking on a word, and that word carried him. I got to tell you, one word from God can pull you out of the pit. One word from God can stand you on your feet. One word from God can dust you off and give you a brand new start. Just one word from God can carry you a week, a month, a year, years. One word from God. And can I give you some news today? God did not lose his ability to talk after the first century. He's still talking. He's still giving rhema words. He's still speaking to those who call out on his name. And one word from God can cause you to stand up, dust yourself off, set out on a brand new path with brand new strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Peter was walking on the word, and so will you. You'll walk on the thus saying the Lord. And that's the truth that you step on for that third stepping stone, what he says to you. What does he say to you about it? You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I, I, I just don't feel like God speaks to me. Oh, it can be a Bible verse, just one Bible verse. It can be a personal understanding of what he's working through it all. It may simply be a deep abiding peace that says to you everything is going to be all right. God is fully able to somehow, some way get a word from God to you and that word will carry you. It'll sustain you. It'll take you through the valley and out onto the other side. Our God is a God of the word and wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever the stumbling stone is, if you'll listen, he's talking and he's going to get a word to you. It may be this word right now. I had somebody write me recently. They said, I got one of your tapes and I have worn it out. It doesn't even play good anymore. I've listened to it over and over and over again because it spoke to me. It was a rhema word. Well, that's fine. Whatever the word is, there's pages in my Bible. I've had to glue them in twice because that particular page, there was a word that spoke to me and I went to it in the morning and I went to it in the evening and I went to it at noon and I went back and back and back again to the word of God because I'm here because of the word. You're here because of the word. He's a mighty God and he speaks and he's got a word and he sent his word and healed them. There's power in the word of God. So here is what Jesus anchored Paul with. He said, my strength is strongest, Paul, when you are weak. Now here he is. He's made the choice to go on. He stepped onto the stepping stone. And here he is. He's in the middle of the brook. And God gives him a word. He says, Paul, you need to understand. My strength is strongest 
when you are weak. You're not going down, Paul. You're going through. This isn't working against you. It's working for you. This isn't going to take you down. It's going to take you up. Paul, I'm with you. And if I be for you, who can be against you? That thorn is only going to serve my purposes. I'm not saying I sent it, but I'm telling you that I'm using it, Paul. And I am going to use it to make you what you want it to be anyway. So, Paul, you need to rejoice in me. And by that truth, Paul kept on walking across the brook of offense. Oh, I'll tell you, I'm going to get this tape. I need this CD. And you notice that he learned to lean. He made the choice and he learned to lean. And in learning to lean, he got a word. And once he got that word, it did the fourth thing. The fourth stepping stone is attitude. Oh, the magnitude of attitude. I can't tell you how important attitude is. Attitude will stop you or it'll start you. It'll hinder you or it'll propel you. Attitude. Paul's attitude changed from vexation to praise. His attitude towards the stumbling block went from complaint to victory when he saw the stumbling block in light of God's purpose for him. Oh, so important. Instead of it being a source of irritation and defeat, Paul realized this thing's only going to increase my anointing. And I'm going to tell you something, church. Whatever you're going through, if you'll keep your attitude right, and if you'll keep seeking God, learn to lean, make the choice to go on no matter what, trust the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He's going to order your steps. If you'll keep on doing that, then God is going to work it for your good and he'll change your attitude. I see how his attitude changed. It's amazing. Listen to the attitude change. Now, he says, now, now that I've gotten a word, now that I've seen this thing through God's eyes, I'm glad to boast about how weak I am so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Amen. You know, it's a real tragedy when we tell people who are getting saved, oh, your troubles are over, now you're saved. No, they've only just begun. <laughs> I can get a real big amen on that one. Did you notice that? <laughs> Not real funny, Pastor Jeff, because I know it's true. Yeah, so, so, because see, God's out to get you now. God's out to get you to be like Jesus. God's out to shape you and form you and mold you and make you. God's out to change some things, rearrange some things, take some things out, put some things into your life. God's out to do some shaking and rattling and rolling in your life. God is out to get you. And he wants to bless you. And his main purpose is to make you like Jesus. And so here's Paul. He says, oh, this thorn, when I'm weak, whatever this thorn was doing, it was making him feel weak. He said, then I'm the strongest. Because it's his power manifested in me. So I rejoice when I feel weak. And his attitude changed. Have you ever noticed this about God? As long as your attitude's bad and you're grumbling and complaining, God, I wish you'd change this. And you bind it and you loose it and you fast and you pray and you blab it and grab it and confess it and name it and claim it. And nothing changes. Have you ever noticed that as soon as your attitude turns into an attitude of gratitude, it starts changing because God was waiting for you to change. And have you noticed that by the time it all starts changing, you don't even care anymore because your attitude's already changed? Have you noticed that? So can you say with me, I've got a choice to lean and get his word 
to change my attitude, for God to take me on. This is not going to be a stumbling stone, but a stepping stone. Can you stand with me today? Amen. 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 God is good. How many of you know that this is true? How many of you have, are dealing with a stumbling stone? Look at all that. Well, you can stumble and let it be your tombstone, or you can let it be a stepping stone. There isn't anything worth taking you out of the race. Not anything. You know, Kathy and I, we had a real, real choice, y'all. We had a real choice to let a stumbling stone take us out or let it become a stepping stone. We had a real choice. And I've told you, I went out on my back porch over and over again. It's in my new book on friendships. And I would get out there every day, and I was fighting for my life, fighting for my spiritual life. No embellishment or exaggeration. That's absolutely true, and I knew it. I never felt like I was closer to the sulfuric flames of hell than then. And I was getting up at the rising of the sun every day and going out there with my Bible and my Matthew Henry commentary and the Holy Ghost. That's it. And pouring through the Word. And what was I doing? I was making the choice. I make a choice. This has got to be a stepping stone. And I'm going to lean. And I'm going to get a word. And months went by. And one morning, God spoke to me. And it was just from being in the Word a lot. He spoke to me and said, Give me time. I'm moving. You preach with all your heart and don't fear any man. And let me do the rest. And at the time, there wasn't anything. So we just started doing it. And I have found that the providence of God was moving in ways we could not see. And he's still moving. But what anchored me was that word. The choice, I'm not going down. Leaning every day. The word, the third stepping stone. Attitude change, that was the hardest. That was the hardest. I wanted to be God and I wanted to call lightning down on some select places. <laughs> How many of you know what that's like? Come on. Don't look so holy at me. The attitude was the hardest. I wanted to do all three of them until it came to the attitude. Can I just be God for five minutes? That's all it'll take. Just five minutes. So the attitude had to change. And I still struggle with that from time to time. I'm being honest with you, but I know that I've got to keep doing it. And I sure have more victory than not, don't I, Kathy? She's better at it than me. But we have found that what I just preached to you is true. You can put it in your pocket and, and take it out tomorrow and use it. It'll work. So I want to speak a blessing on you. 
and I want to pray a blessing on your life. And I want to believe God to help you to turn stumbling stones into stepping stones. And you will not stumble, but you will keep going. Let me do it. Father, I thank you for this congregation of people. I thank you for the gift that they are. And I pray that, Lord, they'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the storehouse and blessed in the field, blessed in their going out and blessed in their coming in. I pray that, God, you will bless their homes, bless their souls with peace. And I speak a blessing of victory over every stumbling stone, that it will become a stepping stone and only increase their anointing. In the name of Jesus, and it will carry them onward and upward and forward and not backward. In Jesus' name, I speak that blessing over you. Amen and amen. Let's sing Learning to Lean before we go today. Amen. Learning to lean.